The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world-famous Jonesy and Brown Show. By my side is my partner in crime, my mellow, my man, my ace, Mike Jones. What's good with you, brother? Ah, oh, man, I'm good. Long week, I learned, cold weather, but I'm good. I learned my lesson from last week. I you feel better now. I, I, I bet you do feel better. You got a lot off your chest last week. But I learned my lesson. So this is what we're not going to do. We're not going to start with the Sixers. We're not going to start with the Philadelphia 76ers. And what we'll do is we'll see how much time we have at the end. And if we have time, maybe we'll talk Sixers this week. Is that good enough for you? Will that will that be good enough for you? Can you live with that? I can live with that. All right. I got a guess for you, man. We got a guess this week. That's always fun. Had to dig deep into my personal Rolodex of close personal friends. This is a man who I've known for a long, long, long time. And I'm not going to act like he didn't get his first DM from me um, yesterday. But uh, no, no, this is is a guy I've known for a a long time. I hope you believe that. He is the host (laughs) of Trending in the AM which appears on all your, your social media, all over the internet. He's from the Philly Sports Network. It's my man, Paul Stifle. Phil Stifle. Oh, I call him Paul. You, you, I call him first Paul. Off, you Phil. Had, you I was just going to say, you had like the perfect introduction. And then I, I blew you it. you called me by Paul. I was like, and you then, were nailing that introduction, man. I and then you got it. my name wrong. Uh, then I blew <laughs> it. Then I absolutely blew it. Uh, my gosh, that <laughs> yeah, show's I've, over. I've I'll see you. Much- thanks for che- thank, thanks for checking in, you guys. I'll see you guys next week. I'm yeah, cold. That's why they I've called cool. much worse than Paul Big in money. my life. So I'll accept that as a compliment. All right, Bill, <laughs> good brother. Thank you for coming on with us, man. Uh, appreciate you know, time. I appreciate you guys in the invite and all. Anytime to talk Eagles, Sixers, anything you want to talk about, man. I'm always game to talk, man. I appreciate that. We will not be talking Sixers until the very end of the show because Mike, uh, Mike Jones over there. I'm, I'm looking, at, looking at shirt. This man is clearly a Sixers fan. No, I'm, you, I'm just, you know, do you know what this shirt is? This is old Mike Scott right Hive. Here. Oh yeah, the Mike Scott Hive ugly Christmas sweater, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm rock. It's cold as hell. I needed something yes, extra thick in the house, you know. So we're going Mike Scott Hive right here tonight. And and I appreciate I like that. It. We we both appreciate that. But, you know, my, it's my the only thing are... I've ever won in any social media giveaway. I mm-hmm. didn't even know I entered this back in the day. I entered a contest. Next thing you know, this thing showed up in my my mailbox. Like I guess what, I won. What, what what did you enter? How how did you I win? Have that? No idea. People are always giving stuff away on the internet. I guess I entered something. And this was my prize. I I don't know. <laughs> You see that? Because that's something that Jonesy and I talk about all the time. Like, people just getting stuff from teams and, and things. We have never gotten anything. Jonesy and I have been at this for a couple of years. We get nothing. I talked to him about the, uh, the how the Sixers, every year when they release their city jerseys, they give the gifts to all the little, all, all, all the movers and shakers all over the city. And every year, all I do is throw my old Sixers stuff into a box and try and reopen it on the air and act like I'm important. 
because I, I do I don't, nothing. I don't, I don't ever get hit up by Darius Slay's wife when she's giving away stuff left and right mm-hmm. all over social media. Yeah, I, I got no chance at winning. So I don't know how I got this, but I must mm-hmm. have won something somewhere. Because I'm two tweets away from getting blocked by Slay's wife. Uh, you know, at any at any given day, I'm gonna get blocked by that woman. I I, I say nothing to her. I, I you know I've been nothing but respectful. But you know, it, it is what it is. But this week, I, I want to talk to you. I, I brought you one. You know, we're gonna talk. Well, maybe we'll get to the Sixers. But I more important, most importantly, I wanted to talk Eagles with you, my brother. Big game on Sunday. Forty Nine ers coming to town. Forty Nine ers got a. I want to say they got a chip on their shoulder. I don't know what they have on their shoulder because they've been in their feelings since the uh, NFC Championship game. So I I, I just want to say this real quick because I generally tend to avoid national media. Mm -hmm. But this week, I made an exception. I'm listening to what the national people say. And all I hear 49ers are the best team in football. 49ers are better. I heard one guy calling the Eagles crybabies because someone said something about the turf at the Super Bowl, but it was okay for the 49ers to talk, keep talking about, oh, we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't have – why doesn't anyone ever talk about why they didn't have a quarterback? They started the game with two quarterbacks. They couldn't protect either one. But it wasn't no. like it, it was a non-contact injury or some fluke. They, these guys weren't getting protected. They got hurt, and they couldn't finish the game. That's football. It, it, it's crazy, and and because I, I, I need a point of clarification. So let me bring Phil in on this because mm-hmm. I believe Phil, you posted this earlier, and then somebody else posted it as well. I saw, and, and, and Jonesy, this goes to something we talked about. Power rankings. <laughs> oh man, you want to you want to break I, the power rankings? I, I, Phil, was it you that, that that posted that ESPN power rankings? Uh, well, I mean, I was one of a few people that posted. Yeah, the ESPN analytics power rankings. However, that, they come up with their. And I'm not smart enough to know the math behind how a program computerizes. I'm not. I'm not a smart guy. You know. So that 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 is a real thing. I saw power rankings that had the right off ESPN's website. That graphic that I shared. They got the 49ers at number one. They had the Eagles as the seventh best team in the NFL. They got the Chargers who are four and seven at eight. But they got the Cowboys. They got the Bills at number three after we just beat them and they're six and six. That's the ESPN. They have two power rankings. They got Mm -hmm. voted on by their writers and then they got their Mm -hmm. analytics computer data. The computer says the Eagles are only the seventh best team in the NFL. Their computer says this. So yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this. And because both, both of you are professionals, both of you know how misleading things can be on the oh, yeah. internet. You could, you could, you could see things. So I'm like, this, this, this can't be real. Cause I'm looking at a, a set of power rankings and I'm looking at the Eagles at seven and I'm looking at, uh, uh, a Bills team that the Eagles beat, a Cowboys team that the Eagles beat, a Dolphins team that the Eagles beat, all ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. So ten and one. I, 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 I find it really, really hard to imagine. Like again, I don't, I don't understand analytics. I don't understand 
computer algorithms and stuff like that. I'm not techie. But I do know one thing, that you can program the computer to program the rankings the way you want. So they might say their Uh computer's spitting out, but they're Mm -hmm. telling the computer what the the criteria is. So they did that specifically. And and all all the national media, and I know you you said you you try not to pay attention to the the Mm -hmm. national narratives, but Uh they they, they do it to trigger us. They they know we're passionate fans that when they they piss us off, we're going to come running and we're going to start shouting from the high heavens and say, you're wrong. They know what mm-hmm. they're doing when they do that. And oh, it's guaranteed engagement. Analytic or not, mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they absolutely determined the formula that spits out absolutely. a six and six team in Buffalo being the third team on this list. Like that, that makes no sense to me. Or a four and seven team in the Chargers being at eight, right behind the Eagles. Right. I mean, seriously, at what point are people going to stop caring about Justin Herbert? And the Chargers. I mean, at some point, you would think that they would stop stop thinking that they're a good team and a good quarterback mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, the, you could put all these different formulas into a computer, but what they can't quantify is a guy, a team that just know how to win games. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say something, and it's going to sound outlandish at first, but bear with me for a second. Okay. You remember Tim Tebow? Yes. When Tim Tebow came in the NFL, there was and he started to play with Denver. There was something about Tim Tebow where he would stink it up the entire game. But if you got him to the fourth quarter with it close, he was going to win that game. He's I mean Tim Tebow could not throw the football for 3 quarters. Mm-hmm. He looked like he did not belong under center in the NFL for three quarters of every game he played. Fourth quarter, that guy knew how to win a game. At, the, at John Elway basically knew, I'm going to be stuck with this guy unless I go as far as bringing in a guy like Peyton Manning. You couldn't have just cut him for anybody because he kept winning mm-hmm. games. No. Jalen Hurts is the Tim Tebow upgrade. He's mobile. Just, he's, he's Tim he's, Tebow and can throw a football. Right. Yeah. Yep, like yep. all the extra intangible stuff Tebow had. And Jalen doesn't have the perfect arms. I've always been one to say he has everything you want in a quarterback, but that Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson type rocket. But his arm is good enough, and as long as he can be accurate and on time, all the other stuff he has will win you games. Now his rookie year. I openly questioned whether or not his arm would develop enough. His first year as a starter, those questions were still there for me. By last season, he answered every question I had. I still don't think he's the best pocket presence in the league, but the overall guy that he is, he wins games, and a computer cannot quantify that. Can can you at least agree? Because I've been a big Jalen Hurts fan. Since he was mm-hmm. at Alabama his freshman year of college, I, I mm-hmm. saw the intangibles there right mm-hmm. from the get go. And I hate it. It broke my heart when he lost his job because of an injury to Tua. And I know Tua is a really good quarterback as well and was great at Alabama. But, you know, I, I always feel like when you get hurt, you should always have a chance to get your job back, you know? Yeah. That, that, but that's another thing. And, and you're preaching to the biggest Tebow fan in the world right here <laughs> because of the exact thing that you described. 
but I've said it since day one about Jalen Hurts, intangibles. You could be the most average quarterback, but if you have elite intangibles, you could be mm-hmm. a winning quarterback. But mm-hmm. also on top of that, and you're saying he's not, you know, the perfect packet passer and this and that. Can you at least agree that he has gotten better? Oh, absolutely. As a pocket passer? Yes. Absolutely. And that's part of the intangible yes. because mm-hmm. he's never satisfied. He can throw 400 yards, 10 touchdown passes in one game. And he's going to say, <sighs> I missed that one pass in the second quarter on second mm-hmm. and seven. I should have completed that. Like he's never, never satisfied. And I don't know if you guys read it, but there's a there's an article that he did a, a cover article for ESPN before the season started. Um, if you haven't read the article, you should go read it. I mean, it's it's a fantastic – it's a long read. I had mm-hmm. to read it multiple times to fully digest everything he said in this article. But he, he's kind of like Tom Brady. He's an assassin. All he does is live, breathe, eat, sleep football, and he just wants to be the best. He knows he's not the most talentedly gifted person, but he wants to be the best. And mm-hmm. I, I was on another show last night. And we were kind of having the same conversation. And I brought the idea that you've got two future Hall of Famers on this team in Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. And they follow Jalen Hurts. They don't have to, but they follow. They will literally run through a wall for Jalen Hurts. They're the veterans. They're the experienced guys. They're the ones that have already proven it. That tells you so much about Jalen Hurts, the man, that Kelsey and Johnson are willing to run through a brick wall for him. No, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. And especially when you talk about you look at Kelsey because Kelsey and Brandon Graham are the last two Andy Reid holdouts. Mm-hmm. So since we're talking offense, you look at Jason Kelsey. This is a man who's now been through McNabb, been through Vic, been through Wentz, been through Foles. And you Don't look forget at Sam Bradford. I, I, I made, literally made the same comment last night and I posted the show last night. Said, Don't forget Sam Bradford. He said the same thing. Yeah, yeah. See, first of all, he and, and 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 for Jonesy, all right, you know what? If I'm if if you're gonna bring up Sam Bradford, I gotta bring up the guy who brought nope. him here. Nope. We're not talking about him. Exactly. Then we'll then we'll let's just leave that man alone then. <laughs> but but nonetheless, it's when you look at how this team has bought into it, like everyone has been talking this week about uh, Brandon Graham being mic'd up for that Bill, for that Bills game, mm-hmm. and he just knew Jalen Hurts was going to win this game. You give Jalen Hurts a chance, Jalen Hurts is going to go win this game. And th- once again, this is a guy who's now been there through Andy Reid, through that guy we're not going to mention, through Doug Peterson, through, you know th- – Mm-hmm. Into now, so for for guys like that, for guys you know on the for on the other side of the ball, because you know as we all know, it's it's, it's hard for a for for a defensive player to buy in when you see defensive players, especially defensive veterans, buying in to the young guy, buying into the quarterback you know, on offense, right? Right, exactly. You know I mean, normally you've got the leader on offense and the leader on defense. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you, know, you watch movies, TV shows, you watch documentaries. Mm-hmm. There's always a split in the locker room. You got your defensive guys hanging out together. You got mm-hmm. your offense. Everybody follows Jalen Hurts. Offensive, yeah. defensive, special teams, everybody. Because that's what kind of leader and man he is. Just think, I, I don't know how old you guys are. You look like you're, you're older gentlemen. I mean, how many, how many guys have you seen at his age, 25? 
I mean, even last year when he was 24, be the leader and grown mm. man and adult that Jalen Hurts is. Like, I know at 25, I wasn't that mature at 25. No way, shape, or form. I wasn't leading anybody at 25. I wasn't leading anybody at 25. I'm not that mature at my current 42 years old. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just, it's something special, Dan Hurts, the intangible side of the equation. I mean, it's something that I've never mm -hmm. seen. It's literally basically Kobe Bryant, you know, on Mm -hmm. a football field. It, oh, no, no, that 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 is that's a fair, you know, that is a, a fair. He's got comparison. that mama mentality for yeah, sure, definitely. And I think honestly, and it's it's refreshing to see his skills match his demeanor, because I always felt like from the minute he got to town that he was somebody. He he looked the part. He talked the part. He definitely could talk the talk. And not in the sense that he's cocky, but he he always looked like somebody who had a a level of confidence. This is Mm -hmm. what you want. He talks like someone you could fall behind. He talks like somebody that if he was a leader, you would follow him. So for me, I was always afraid because I felt like, all right, if he keeps on talking like this and his skills don't match up, this city's going to turn, you know, is going to turn on him even quicker. But now, hey. He's the guy. He's him. He's, he's yeah, I might, I might him. almost disagree with you uh, to an extent there because I don't think the city would ever turn on him if he didn't have success. Because no, in no, Philadelphia, no. we resonate with that blue-collar, hardworking mentality. And as long as we know he's humble and always trying to work to get better, if he fails, we know he's going to do everything in his power to not fail the next time. That's why I always tell people, this Eagles team, the way it's constructed and led right now with him, They'll never have worse than a two-game losing streak at any point in time because they'll never let this team get to that point. So, I mean, and again, no, he's I'm, only 25 and he's like that. No, I was just – I guess I, I, I would – I felt like it would be something that got old quick if the if the results were never there. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, got old like quick not, Carson, but, yeah. you know, I, th- I think Jalen Hurts is just – I think Jalen Hurts just resonates with the, the core Philadelphia mindset a little bit more mm-hmm where we give him a little bit more grace, a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know, breathing room to make those mistakes and then learn from them than say somebody mm-hmm. else. But he, but he's also well, but he's I also earned say, it too. But I was saying let me hop in real quick cuz like mm-hmm. the comparison with Carson it's really not a matter of physical ability. Carson had all the physical skills, every tool you could want from a quarterback. But the personality, the it, yeah, that part of it. It's like if Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts are sitting next to each other in the locker room, I guarantee you 90% of the players would rather hang out and talk to Jalen than Carson. Mm-hmm. And Carson's the guy who'll be sitting in the corner trying to try to sabotage Jalen Hurts rather than try mm-hmm. to improve himself. He'll yeah. be the guy with, oh, I wish something go wrong, so I, I get the like that's the difference to me between Carson and Jalen. So, but I also want want to flip to the other side of the ball because the Eagles' defense. There are two ways to look at it. These guys know how to step up and make plays when it's when it matters, or these guys are really just out here getting exposed and get lucky from time to time. Which side of that are you 
Uh, me, I, I think that I think it's a little bit of both. They do get lucky sometimes, for sure. There is a. I know everybody says we're the luckiest team out there. We're the worst ten and one team out there. I mm-hmm. get it. I, you know, the, the, it, it's it's not luck. It's I, I I I use this week the word execution. We just execute mm-hmm. better when the moment is the biggest, when it's the strongest, the lights are the brightest. We just execute. That's the that's the details in practice. That's the details in the work you put in on a daily basis, when crunch time comes, you, you're, you're going to execute better because you've just worked all week a little harder than your opponents. I look at the drop pass by uh, – who dropped that pass at the end of the Chiefs game? Valdez Scantlin. Valdez Scantlin. I mean, it, it, some people will say we got lucky there. Well, I would say our wide receivers will catch that because you look at, you know, Lama De Zacchaeus, the catch he made, mm-hmm. you know, that was a tough catch as well. He made it mm. because they've worked harder throughout the week so that when the time comes, they execute better. I know that was an offensive you know, example to a defensive question, but I, I, it comes down to execution and practice throughout the week. Mm-hmm. You know, do we get lucky? Sure. But this defense still, I mean, we've pitched how many shutouts in second half of football games? You know, we've came mm-hmm. up with the big sack in crunch time. How many mm-hmm. times? James Bradbury mm-hmm. has struggled this year. He's made big plays when the moment's the brightest. Everybody loves Reed Blankenship, and, and I'm not saying I don't like Reed Blankenship. He's a he's a really solid young safety, but I'm not ready to anoint him the next coming, uh, you know, Ed Reed or Brian Dawkins. <laughs> but you know what? Because he's made some mistakes this year. If you really pay attention, mm-hmm. second, third quarters of games, he's gotten beat a few times. But guess what? Fourth quarter, five minutes left in the game, he's making plays. And that comes from the training all week long, preparing yourself, mm-hmm. preparing your body. Dude, two weeks ago against the Chiefs, Reed, or I almost called him Ed Reed. Uh, Reed Blankenship played every defensive snap. He played three offensive snaps, and he played like 15 Tw- special team snaps. Last it, week, he played 92 defensive snaps mm-hmm. and 15 special team snaps. This mm-hmm. guy's out there. He's conditioned. He's trained his body mentally and physically. So that it comes down to the execution in practice makes them better on game day in those clutch moments. That's that's my thought process. That sounds good to me. That's pretty much how I look at it. I almost have a feel where it's like, especially defensively, they know they're able to make plays when time comes. Like mm-hmm. there's a cop, there's a confidence they have that they'll be able to get. Like they may not be out there all game long like the 49ers and Cowboys do against these lesser teams and just blow them out, run up the score. They're kind of coasting along, but time to win, let's win. And it amazes me that this team is continually able to do that. You also got to think of it a different way as well with the defense or the offense, however you want to look at it. It's not like we've been going up against slouch teams the last five, six weeks. Everyone's like, oh, well, they're not winning pretty. Or the defense has given up this in the first half, or the offense needs to make a play at the end of the game. Yeah, we just beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Cowboys. Like, these are our teams. You know, some of these teams are ahead of the Eagles in the – I'm looking at my old notes from this week. The Chiefs (laughs) are favored over the Eagles in the Super Bowl. The 49ers are. The Dolphins aren't far behind. These are teams that everyone else thinks is going to win. They're all great. We, we, we face this juggernaut schedule. Well, we're winning the game. We might not be winning by 20, but at least we're beating the great team. Is there mm-hmm. any other team in the NFL 
that has faced this tough of a schedule and actually won all these games? No. So you, you got to give credit to your opponents as well. Some of these problems that we see throughout the game, offensively mm-hmm. or defensively, let's give credit. I mean, we, we had to stop Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Let's mm-hmm. let's give credit where credit's due instead of criticizing and saying we're not good enough. We are good enough. We just beat two of the best teams in football. And other thing I like to remind people is they often they're quick to point to last four or five weeks the passing numbers allowed while Brad, of course we know Avante Maddox out for the year, but then Bradley Roby after the Rams game was unavailable until a week or so ago. So if you look at last year's season, as good as the Eagles defense was, that stretch where Maddox and Gardner Johnson were out, we got exposed in the slot. This season, Maddox was out before they brought in Bayard. We were getting exposed in the slot. This was nothing new to this defense. Like, there were certain pieces when you're not healthy, when you're not 100%, teams are going to look to exploit that. You know, you go from Craig James to Joby or all these other guys, they're running bodies in there Mm -hmm. that are not prepared to deal with it when you move – you know, CD Lamb into the slot because that's what a lot of these teams are doing. They'll take their number one receiver, line them up in the slot, and then go after that guy between our linebackers and you know. And, and, and I get what you're saying, but it's not like we're being exposed by Bryce Young or Jimmy Garoppolo or or Mac Jones. We're getting exposed by Patrick Mahomes, who I already <laughs> think is one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time. We're mm-hmm. exposed by Josh Allen, you know, mm-hmm. Tua. You know, Dak Prescott, who I think is better than people give him credit for, we're getting exposed by the top-tier guy. He's a quality so quarterback like, with quality weapons. Exactly. <laughs> so it's not like we're going up against scrub teams here. We're Everybody likes to say about because I know you're talking defense, but everyone uses mm-hmm. the, well, Brian Johnson and the offense struggles and this and that. Mm-hmm. But the, the four of the last five defenses we've faced are top ten defenses. Three of them were top five when we faced them. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like Brian Johnson is struggling to devise a game plan to go up against Carolina or, or Oakland or you know whoever pick the next worst mm-hmm. team in the league. He's he's trying to go up against the Chiefs have a top five defense, the Bills have a top five defense, the Dolphins did. Now they're seventh. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're going up against high level opponents right now, and just getting wins should be good enough. Honestly, it doesn't have to be pretty or fancy or. You know, the shiny new way of doing things—it's just getting the wins. And 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 honestly, like when you look at when you look at this this stretch of games, and and if I can just jump back to the defense real quick, yeah, they lose the game. They lose the game to the Jets. Get outscored in the second half, eleven to nothing. They then go on outscore uh, outscore the Dolphins fourteen seven. Outscore the Commanders twenty eight fourteen. Mm-hmm. Outscore Dallas 14-6. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs, Super Bowl champions, Patrick Mahomes, best in the game, 14 nothing. Josh Allen, a lot of people want to call one of the best quarterbacks in the game, 30-17. to 
And I saw, and I, I saw you. I know this is not a live video. This is for audio. But yeah, I'm, sorry. I, I'm an Italian guy. I talk with my hands a lot. No, no, it's all, it's, it's all good. Listen to what I do. Uh, you know, he, he is. I'll say he's one of the more, ta- one of the most talented quarterbacks. Absolutely. We could debate. Well, his, I will, we could debate how good he is, but there's no denying his talent. No, what I will he's say, he's got all the talent in the world. Again, it, you know, mm-hmm. he's not as bad as Justin Herbert, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if, if I may, if I may use my hands, people call him yeah. one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league. Maybe not Mia Jonesy, but people have said he's yeah. he's he's one of the best. But nonetheless, that's thirty to seventeen. Eagles are outscoring their opponents one sixty nine to one hundred four in the second half. That's not luck. Yeah, that's not luck. If I may, quick. You know, uh, call out a point that you make all the time, Jonesy. You talk about how these teams get, how these teams are built, especially after you break off your quarterback. Mm-hmm. You look at the Chiefs now. Yes, they're the defending champions, but it's like, look, you know what? They this is a team that had to let go of a couple uh, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So Tyreek Hill might have made that catch. So were the Eagles lucky, or did they just no, not no, have no, good I'm, enough I'm, receivers? I'm, I'm, you see what I mean? Like it's, but, it's yeah, not but, luck. but to me, that's that's it. Yeah, that's I'm, not I'm luck. On your, on your side, JB. I'm not yeah. saying it's. I'm saying, not, like we we're Philadelphia fans. Mm. We know what it's like to have bad receivers. Exactly. Like w- when Nelson Aguilar was dropping passes, that wasn't the other team being lucky. That was Nelson Aguilar not being good enough to make the play. Mm-hmm. It's not the same thing. So if you I, have, so these teams are flawed. They don't have players good enough to make these plays. That's not luck. That's the Eagles having a better team, a better core. Yeah. And, no, and, no. And we on, on the that, same page. Yep. You know, you're, you're saying like we when 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 Nelson Aguilar was dropping passes, were we blaming our opponents for that? No, no, we were blame. We were calling out Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody else when they play the Eagles, they blame something—the refs or the field or <laughs> the weather or the sketch. Like there's always an excuse mm-hmm. for why they lost. When our Eagles, and I preach this all the time, when our teams, not just the Eagles, the Sixers, the Phillies, the Flyers, the Union, when our teams lose, we look at ourselves and our own team, and we criticize our people. We don't mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. outside reasons to blame for our loss. And, 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 I mean, that, that just goes to the Philadelphia no, mantra to an it, extent, though. It, it, it's, inc- it's incredible because when you look at, uh, you know, we're, the three of us, We've all been lifelong Philly fans, so mm-hmm. we've been through it all. Lifelong Philly fans, and and unfortunate, unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at it, none of us are young. All right, so we've been around here for we we we've seen a few things. We've seen a few things, and you think you look at some of the things that we've caught slack over over the last couple of years. You know, people I've heard people at why were we so hard on McNabb? Why were we so hard on this person? Why were we so hard on that person? Because when we lose, you want to blame the person whose fault it is. And now you're sitting here, and once upon a time, I used to think Cowboys fans were the biggest babies in the NFL. But since then, I I guess 49ers fans felt like they were left out. Vikings fans felt like they were left out. Bills fans this week, they decided, I didn't even know there were Bills fans. But now, all of a sudden, now they they have a whole lot to say, and I sit here and it's like, I, I uh, who's that one guy? There was some guy from Miami. 
And I swear, you know, he talks about, you know, how he covers the Dolphins. And I'm like, all right, the game is over. When are you going to actually talk about the next game? He spent the entire week complaining about Philly, complaining about the tush push and the, and the, the brotherly shove and how it needs. I'm like, dude, get over it. And that's just what happens. Like, like these teams, they could learn something from us, quite frankly. I, you know, you know, not, you know, it is what it is. You know, no, no complaining about the refs. And, and sometimes the refs are bad. Sometimes you do have to throw some shade at the refs. But it's, the refs it's weren't more... good on Sunday against the Bills. No. They, but they weren't good for us either. I mean, they were bad on both sides of the equation. Yeah. But I, I never use the refs for an excuse. I look. What, what did our team do wrong? That, that, that's mm-hmm. the way I look at every game. You know, win or lose. Mm-hmm. Like if we'd have lost, if say Jake Elliott would have missed that kick to tie the game, would we have been blaming the refs, or would we have been blaming Kelsey for two false starts? Would have been blaming I'll... Kelsey for two false starts. Jalen Hurts for the interception he threw. Brian mm-hmm. Johnson for the slow start on the offense. That's what we would have been talking about this week. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have been blaming the refs. We wouldn't have been blaming you know the weather. Well, you know whatever. We would have been blaming ourselves, and that's the difference between Philly fans. And everybody else. No, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Absolutely right. But uh goodness. That brings us to this week's game. That brings us to the mighty, mighty 49ers. 49ers have had this game marked on their calendar for such a long time because they're so angry about the way the NFC championship game is going. 49ers talking a lot, and and and, and I have to admit, my Response to 49ers fans have always been 31 to 7. They talk well, they could say whatever they want. Oh my god, Hurst is overrated. Brock Purdy is the next uh best 31 7. You know, that, that's 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 what it is. Now I will say this. I I like that pickup of Chase Young. I, I thought Chase Young was wasting away in Washington. Washington had no clue what to do with a – Chase Young was way too good to waste his life in Washington. And now he's with the uh, the 49ers, and that, that kind of scares me. But nonetheless, you know, this is why it's why we play the game. So we're looking at this game on, on Sunday. And what are, your early, what are your early thoughts going into this game with the 49ers? Uh, well, two things, because you bring up Chase Young in that defensive line. Um, most recent update, Lane Johnson did participate fully in practice today. So that good is thing. a good thing, because the biggest – I have two really big keys to the game. One of them is, if Lane plays, how close to 100% he is. If he doesn't play, can Jack Driscoll stop Chase Young, Bosa, you know, all the guys that the 49ers are going to throw at whoever's on that right side of the line. But you got to keep Jalen Hurts upright, obviously. And whether it's Lean Johnson or Jack Driscoll, they're going to have their hands full with this defensive line, without a doubt. Um, I, I look at it because you're, you're setting it up. When you're setting up that question and stuff like that, you know, I, I, I don't like to admit this, but my older brother, he's about to turn 50 soon. He's mm-hmm. a 49ers fan. Now, he's the only one out of the seven people in the Stifle household that's not an Eagles fan. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me why. But he's a 49ers fan. And he's been texting me all week. We're going to whoop you. You want to come over to my house so I can laugh at you? This, that, and the third. This game means so much more to San Francisco than it means to us. If we lose this game, we're still tops in the conference. We still got the best record in NFL. You know, we're still controlling our own destiny.
But the 49ers, this is like the Super Bowl to the 49ers. Because they, they I said it after before we played the Chiefs a few weeks ago. I'm like, this does not – if we beat the Chiefs, it doesn't make up for losing the Super Bowl. That was last year. This year is this year. Totally different. But to the 49ers, this means everything to them. So we're going to get their best. So the first thing that we've got to do is make sure we keep Jalen Hurts upright. And Lane Johnson practicing in full today, it's a fantastic thing because I know a lot of people say Lane, or Jack Driscoll did okay on Sunday. I, you know, my eye test said he did, eh, he did all right, maybe, but maybe the analytics say he did well, but my eye says he didn't do so well. <laughs> all, all I know is, what, 14 and 22 win-loss record without Lane Johnson over exactly. his career. That guy's a difference maker, so Absolutely. he's on the field. He's, he's a, I feel a, a lot better. He's a fire Hall of Famer, without a doubt. No. Absolutely. I, I, no, I, I, I agree with you. Hanging up right behind me. There right you there. go. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge, huge lean. I, I just love offensive line play. I love trenches, yeah. and I love watching tape on offensive line. You know, Lane Johnson, man, it doesn't get better than that. No, I, I agree, and and I think, and I also agree with your assessment of Driscoll. I think probably, I feel like most people are skewed because he got absolutely eviscerated on like that very first play of the game. So you got, you know. From then on, you're you're sitting like, oh boy, this is the kind of game. Go up from here. Yeah, I, I thought he I thought he settled down a little bit. I thought that first play was absolutely horrible, and he upgraded himself to. He did you know, well in the run blocking schemes. He did mm-hmm. he did struggle the rest of the game in pass blocking. You know, I always mm-hmm. tell people Jalen Hurts makes this offensive line look so much better than it actually is in pass blocking. And then this mm-hmm. year, as Jalen Hurts has been banged up with the knee. You see him giving up more sack or getting sacked more and whatnot, and you see that there are actually some slight holes in the pass blocking schemes that they run. Um, mm-hmm. So you know he did okay in the pass blocking part of it, Jack Driscoll, but not good enough. If Jalen Hurts was healthier, he would have looked even better. Um, but if he was even more banged up, he would have looked worse. So I don't know. I, I, having Lane Johnson out there is just such a a massive upgrade over Jack Driscoll, obviously. So so this leads me to a question. Didn't necessarily plan to ask, but now that we're here, so Lane Johnson out. Eagles start the game three straight passes. What do you think of Sirianni and Brian Johnson, how they're developing these game plans? Well, well, first off, it wasn't just three straight passes. It was three straight seven-step drop, deep mm-hmm. route running pass plays. Mm-hmm. So – you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but I've read and I've studied and I've listened. It sounds like they pre-script a lot of the first quarter. And if you see, you know, the scripts aren't always well done. And everybody blames Brian Johnson. But Nick Sirianni has a massive, massive say in the starting mm-hmm. game plan. Absolutely. Um, they, they, just, they just needed to do something. When, when Lane Johnson was ruled out an hour or two before the game, they needed to make an adjustment then, and they did not. Um Everybody loves to praise Sean Desai and his halftime adjustments. Brian Johnson's actually doing, if you really look at the numbers, first half, the second half, why aren't we complimenting Brian Johnson for the adjustments? Once we get through the script and he can actually just call based off a game flow, he's actually doing a pretty solid job. Um, So those first three plays were atrocious, no doubt about it. But is that more Nick Sirianni's fault than Brian Johnson's? I don't know the answer. But that's where my mind's going because mm. Brian Johnson is running Nick Sirianni's scheme. He's running Nick Sirianni's plan for the day, his script for the day. So 
Brian Johnson's not perfect. I, I don't want to say that he is, but I think Brian Johnson does get, you know, a little too much blowback from the fan base on on the slow starts. No, but I, I think honestly that's part. It's part of what we what we have always done around here. When you see an aspect of the game, when you see an aspect of the team struggling, you and you're not necessarily out on the head coach. You're going to blame the coordinator when that might not necessarily be the dynamic that you need to that that's causing the problem. Like in the end, just like you said, this is this is Johnson running Sirianni's scheme. So you see the three deep route pass plays to start the game, and you're sitting there wondering, like, why are we not pounding the rock? Why is it taking so long to see DeAndre Swift in this game? Why is it taking so long? Why is Kenny Gainwell out there? And it, and it's and it's not like Gainwell was that was necessarily that bad. Once he got in the game, but I think uh, like a, a story this week was down in Carolina firing Frank Wright. And as we do around here, when someone becomes available, we want, them. you know, whether it's Frank Wright, whether, it, uh, whether it's now Zach Ertz. Uh, I, I got to stop you real quick, JB. Uh, we're going to the conversation of guys that are available. It's not just Frank Wright. There's a list of guys available right now. Mm-hmm. Frank Wright on coaching. Then, uh-huh. of course, we know about Leonard from the Colts. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz became available today, and we mm-hmm. we're a little short on tight ends. Yep. And then there's a name no one has mentioned that I actually became curious about that was released earlier in the week. Veteran cornerback Marcus Peters. Mm. Any of those no. names interest you? You, you? you forgot one other name that got cut. Deuce Staley got fired along <laughs> with Frank Wright. And I saw two or three Eagles fans saying, how about bringing Deuce back? Deuce back, yeah. so, no, well, Let's throw Deuce and Josh McCown. He was the quarterback coach down there in Carolina. Bring, bring them all back. Just have yeah, them in the room. Back, you know? Now, I'm, now I, I, to me, I, I feel like I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to to push Brian Johnson out the door. Although he has frust, he has frustrated me. There, look, I'm I'm not gonna look. The receipts are there. You look all up and down my timeline. You're gonna see play calling tweets. So I'm not gonna act like like they're not there. Can I say However, one, one thing real quick though? Uh-huh. Last year's team when Steichen was here, you see a lot of first half scoring, and a lot of times they level off in the second half. It's basically the same thing, just flip. Just opposite. one one half of big scoring, another half is just kind of squeaking by. It it's mm-hmm. basically the same results, just a different order. Yeah, this way it gets yeah. your heart rate up a little more. Mm-hmm. I think you're spot on with that because we, that, that that's so accurate. I I, I do want to address the Frank Wright because everybody wants to bring Frank Reich in here right now, mm-hmm. and I'm not I, like actually I wanted a veteran former head coach to start the season. It, mm-hmm. As a consultant, an assistant, head, offensive yeah. coordinator, whatever. Just like they brought in, I know not not a lot of people like Matt Patricia, but they brought him in as an assistant to help Sean decide. I did want that in the beginning of the season, but now twelve weeks into the season, we're ten and one. Is bringing Frank Reich even in a consulting role just going to be a distraction? Maybe, you know, everybody knows people are questioning Brian Johnson. 
Now you got mm. Frank Reich there. Now Brian Johnson's mm. kind of like looking over his shoulder. I don't know if right now, week 12, is the time to make that kind mm. of an adjustment to this team and to the way they're, the, to, to the flow and the energy of this team. No, that's a, that's a good point. I, 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 I am willing to admit, I hadn't really thought about it like that. You know, I, I was never on board with pushing Johnson out the door, but I thought if, if there was a road to bringing Frank, Frank Wright back into this organization, it would have been as just a consultant role. I'm like, this job is Johnson's. And I think Nick Sirianni is pretty much, you know, that that's pretty much been his MO. He's, you know, his guys, He you know, it's been his guys. And whatever happens to them afterwards, you know, uh, Steichen's been able to get a – He's probably going to get a head coaching job after this year, Brian Johnson. I, I mean, I don't know if he's earned it truly or not, but he's probably going to get that opportunity. So if you lose Brian Johnson after this year and you want to bring in Frank Reich next year as the offensive coordinator, sure. He's a very good play caller. He's a very good offensive mind. Maybe he's not a great head coach. He's seemed to flame out twice pretty quickly now, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, but not this year. I, I think at this point, every mistake Frank Reich makes, or not Frank Reich, Brian Johnson makes, he's going to be like looking over his shoulder there. I forget what year it was. If you guys remember Marty Morningwig, he was mm-hmm. brought back here as a consultant like 47 times over 12 years, it feels like. Yeah. And there was one year during what maybe it was down the down Chip Kelly year. Maybe it was the down Doug Peterson year. I forget what year it was, but he got brought in. And then all of a sudden, the last two, three weeks of the year, he was only in as a consultant, but then he was constantly there. And then the last two, three weeks of the year, they kind of just forced play calling on to him. Because whoever was the offensive coordinator at that time was struggling, and all the fans were calling, you got to take play calling away, you got to take play calling away, and there's a guy over the offensive coordinator's shoulder, causes a little unnecessary pressure. You know, you got to trust the guy you hired, trust the guy that's got you 10-1. and So, you know, that's why I'm not bringing anybody in at this point, even in a consultant role. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, in the end, I think that's probably what they'll do. I mean, there's a reason. Like we like we always say, there's a reason why how he gets paid the big bucks, and I host this show for free. But you know, but uh, what you don't get paid? I thought you were paying me for being this on the show. <laughs> I was waiting for that Venmo payment. Uh, that's between you and him. <laughs> I'm out on that. One. I'm, 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 if I'm a, Wait, what, do you, what do you got there? Be, Let me see what you got there. Oh, you got uh, a, 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 a crown apple. <laughs> that, that little that crown. Mean a lot that's, that's all. That's all I got right now. Dude, dude, my wife told me I'm never allowed to drink that ever again. <laughs> I, I embarrassed her far too badly at a bar once when I was doing shots of that. So I'm never allowed to drink uh, that ever again. Oh, we're, we're sticking to the the the, the Buchanan. You know, 18 year scotch right now. So. Nice. Oh, that's nice. nice. Right now. Well, see, first, see, that just shows that we should have probably started with this because because we, we would have gotten on we would have gotten on, on on crown stories and never gotten to the Eagles. <laughs> but I, like we brought so, we brought Phil in to talk Eagles, but instead we started talking about stories of what happened with drinking Crown. Oh man! <laughs> all right, all right. So back to the Eagles, though. Yeah. Um. So if we're, we're not thinking. Coaches and I'm with I'm on the same page with you as far as bringing in bringing in Frank Wright to be a consultant assistant whatever they would want to call him at this point in the season. How would you feel about any of those players that have been made available this week? Well, so I think all the players available have something that they can add to the table. Okay, and, you know you know Peters would improve our depth at secondary. Shaq Leonard obviously. We've got issues at linebacker. We know that Zach Cunningham's down. You know, Zach Ertz, I mean, I actually 
spent 30 minutes on a show before the season started saying the Eagles should trade for before the season started Zach Ertz mm. because, you know, I'm not a Jack Stoll guy. We don't have depth. And, you know, everybody talks about injuries. And I know we don't want to talk Sixers, but how much people criticize Joe Embiid for never being healthy or anybody. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts gets hurt all the time. No one talks about Dallas Goddard's injury history. I mean, mm. coming into this year, he's missed 12 games in the last three years, twice missing five games in the last three years. And here he is again, missing games, not by his fault. It might have been a borderline dirty play that broke his arm. That's fine. But he still gets hurt every Mm -hmm. single year. And you're going to continue rolling out with Jack Stahl and Grant Calcaterra and who has an injury history of his own. Who doesn't even Calcaterra has an injury history of his own. Absolutely. And he's out with a concussion as well right now. So I think I was was begging for the Eagles. When, when, when cut down day, everyone's like, all right, well, let's watch the waiver wire and see. I'm like, we need another tight end here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all can, they can all do things. There's one big thing though. All these names you named, there's a lot of teams that want them. And we've yeah. only got about $2 million of cap space left. And I know Howie always maneuvers the cap, right? But Howie can't maneuver the cap much right now mm-hmm. because you've got Landon Dickerson. You've got Devontae Smith. You've got a boatload of guys. They're going to want big pay raises after Hassan Reddick is going to want a pay raise after this year. All these guys are going to want money next year. So you can only maneuver so much. So you might only be able to bring in one guy. If it is one guy, I'm probably bringing in Shaq Leonard because we need a linebacker. We we just do. I can't, we can't go with Christian Ellis and Nicholas Morrow for the rest of the year. If that's the case, Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I would rank Leonard one. I would rank Zach Ertz two. I would rank Marcus Peters third. Um, I think, Bradbury and Slay have trended in the right direction the last week or two. Um, I think they're kind of getting their groove back a little bit. That's just the order I would choose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knowing Howie Roseman, though, Howie Roseman always thinks offense first. So if he can only bring in one guy, it's probably going to be Zach Ertz, just because he loves offense. You know, that's that's just his mo. So I was I was on board with Shaq Leonard, but I I have to admit at this point now, watching Zach Leonard go to Dallas meet with Dallas, leave Dallas without a contract, come to Philly, meet with Philly, leave Philly without a contract. That kind of worries is like, okay, these are two teams. I was going to ask you that question. Does it bother you that he needs a weekend? He's got two playoff teams, one that's one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, looking at him. Doesn't it bother you that he kind of needs the weekend to think about his options right there? Like that to me, that's a red flag. You ever talk about red flags? That's a red flag. I understood taking the Dallas visit first because especially if you're in a situation where it's like, if I go to Philly, I'm probably going to stay there. So let me at least hear Dallas out first. You go to Dallas. Dallas also has like $7 million in cap space. They could pay him a lot more money. Exactly. So I understood that taking that visit first, but once you left Dallas without the contract and come to Philly, you hear what everything Philly is. They tell you, you already know what they're doing on the field. At that point, you should know what you want to do in my mind. So saying that you need a weekend. Uh, I mean, I, I, also, I don't know if you guys saw this. It was kind of like a skated under the radar story, but he's an off-season workout Back buddy start. of Dante Smith as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, he knows people on this team. He's friends with people on this team, and he still needs the weekend to think about it. To me, that rubs me the wrong way. I still think that's – I looked at the, the list of free agent linebackers available right now. There ain't nobody. There's nobody else other than Shaq Leonard you could bring in here that would make a difference at this point. 
but it just rubs me the wrong way that you come here, you see what we got, and it's like, I need to think about it. That, that just and, and to me, and, and let me throw this out there to you, because to me it also, it I thought it kind of sounded a little bit like spin. Like, oh, oh, you need the weekend to think about it. I'm seeing two teams who needed a linebacker let you leave, bro. You know, how inter- how interested are they in you? You know, I- I'm thinking. There's a reason why he was cut. Yeah, you, mm. you were cut. Dallas needs a, needs a linebacker to put them over. Philly needs a linebacker to put them over. And they let you leave, bro. You talk about you need to think about it. I'm, I'm thinking, uh, all right, you know, if 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 Philly thought that you were a difference maker, they're going to take the thought out of you. They're not letting you leave. So, like, to me, him saying, yeah, I need to think about it. Yeah, that sounds good. Makes it sound like, you know, oh, yeah, you, oh, you're mulling it over, huh, bro? R- r- really? Are, are are you really? Yeah. You know, if, I, I if Howie I Roseman know. really thought he was the difference maker. I know we only got $2 million, but Howie Roseman would find an extra million or two to make mm-hmm. it happen. Howie mm-hmm. Roseman probably like the so much money we got. You know, we're going to win the Super Bowl. You're going to get more money next year based off a win in a Super Bowl here this year, you know, mm-hmm. come in and do the job. But he, I need to think about it. It just, it just rubs me the wrong way, man. No, it, it really no, does. No. And, again, if he does sign the next day or two or three here, I'm going to be excited about it. But still, like right now in the moment, I'm, I'm a little frustrated by the whole situation. No, I, I understand. And, and to me, because, honestly, like people people who are down on Zach, bringing back Zach Ertz, I understand it. You know, it, for me, bringing back Zach Ertz for me personally is, is, is strictly emotion. Like, all right, this is the Eagle. Let's 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 bring the former Eagle home. I understand that it, it might not necessarily make all the all the sense in the world from a football perspective. It's more pure emotion. But however, the only th- this this whole this whole Shaq Leonard situation that's what moves Ertz higher than Leonard on a priority scale. Like, I'm I'm not that – I would love to see Zach Ertz play for the Eagles again, but if he doesn't, I'm not heartbroken about it. Yeah. So, here's my you thing know, with I'm, Zach Ertz, being, the idea of him being an Eagle again. Where is he going to play? Because Goddard's going to be back in a week. He'll be your number one. Zach Ertz, at this point, you're going to make him your, your blocking tight end? You're going to play him on special teams? So where exactly is a role for Zach Ertz once Goddard's back in a week? If we'd have done, if he'd have got released three, four weeks ago, and you could have him on the field during the stretch while Goddard was out, yeah, that makes sense. But that's why I wanted Goddard, him in the offseason in a trade. You know what I mean? Right. You, you're spot on. He's not going to stall. Jack Stall will still be your blocking tight end. So right. you're going to bring in Zach Ertz to be your third guy. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't and, make a lot and not of sense to be a third guy who doesn't play on special teams. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because you're not the there either. And the Eagles don't run that 12 personnel like they used to back in the Doug Peterson day. Well, I mean, maybe yeah. Zach Ertz has a little left in the tank, and maybe they mm-hmm. run a little bit more 12 personnel. Maybe mm-hmm. it keeps it keeps Quez Watkins off the field. It keeps – look, I, I know everybody loves having Julio here. Julio really don't – Julio's basically a glorified tight end, honestly. He, right, he's a big guy. Point, yeah. He doesn't have the speed he used to have. So maybe mm-hmm. it keeps him off the field. I, I just don't know. I just don't think it's a – I don't think it's a smart decision. And you probably have to cut somebody to add mm-hmm. Zach Ertz. Who Albert O, Calcaterra, one of them would have to go. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, are you going to cut? I know Calcaterra hasn't done anything, but you're going to cut 24-year-old Grant Calcaterra or 
25-year-old Albert O for 36-year-old Zach Ertz? I, no. I mean, it sounds good, but it, it doesn't yeah. make logical right. sense if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in my opinion, if the, if the jersey didn't say Ertz on the back, we wouldn't even be having, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Good. You're absolutely and right. I, I was, as soon as I saw him get cut, the first thing I did was I, I tweeted out today. I'm like, pump the brakes, guys. Like, like, what's the <laughs> point? Like, like, let's relax. Mm-hmm. It sounds good, but you know, what are you gonna do about it? You know? Nah, man, you can't you can't stop that flow of emotion. That's how it's always been. Oh, Earth is re- bring him back. Yeah, let's go. Let's, no, run no, it let's, back. Get, yeah, let's there's, go. There's another thing on the Zach Ertz thing, it's nobody's talking about. And I thought about it this afternoon, and I was saving it for my show tomorrow morning, but I, I, I'll drop it here. Mm-hmm. We're not the only people that want Zach Ertz. There's a certain coach down in Florida that he kind of played for here in Philadelphia that could use another playmaker in Jacksonville. So it's not just the Philadelphia, you know, connection. There's a Doug Peterson connection that might want Zach Ertz as well. So I'm not overpaying for Zach Ertz to keep him away from Jacksonville. And and there's also a team not far down I-95 that's down there playmaking tight end for the year in Baltimore. Absolutely. that, that could true. that could use a pass catching tight end, and I know they're Mark connected. They didn't overlap, but John Harbaugh is a former Eagles coach, so he's got mm-hmm. the Eagles connections. So you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there, there's far too many better options for yep. Zach Ertz that I'm not overpaying for Zach Ertz at this point. Agreed, agreed. All right, but real quick, because we're up against uh, up against the clock, let's get back uh, to Eagles 49ers. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Because that defense needs to stop the great Brock Purdy, that juggernaut. Yes, from the team that brought you Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jeff Garcia, you now have Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Why why are you acting like that name doesn't bring intimidation and fear to your – I see both of you are looking at me like, like I'm trying to oversell this. This is not overselling. Brock I don't have to Purdy talk about great. Brock Purdy. I'm going to ask you guys a question about Brock Purdy, and you guys uh-huh. talk about Brock Purdy, and I'll just sit here and listen. <laughs> if the roles were reversed, and we know how much criticism Jalen Hurts gets not being good enough. If Brock Purdy was doing what he does in San Francisco here in Philly, and if mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts was doing what he does here in Philly in San Francisco, would the would the would the narratives be different on the quarterback? The 49ers would You're be You're laughing at this. You you must have thought of this before. Because the I've been thinking about be this for two, three days now. The 49ers would be undefeated, and the Eagles yeah. would eh, 10-1, and one, I'd say, 6-5. and five. Well, so I didn't mean the win-loss. I meant would people still think Brock Purdy, Purdy was the next coming to Joe Montana here in Philly, and would people still hate on Jalen Hurts nationwide if he was in San Francisco? Well, I don't think Brock Purdy would look anywhere near as good in Philly because that that Shanahan system, a lot of it is just them scheming receivers into space, and he just having him having to recognize, okay, that's the space this time. He's not. I don't want to say like he's playing bad. He's playing. He's doing his job well. What they ask him to do, he does it well. But he's not the guy that's out there throwing receivers open. And squeezing mm-hmm. the football into extremely tight window—that's not what's happening in San Francisco. If their play designs and motions and 
multiple versatile players like Samuels and McCaffrey that you can line up in three, four different spots outside in the slot, in the backfield, all this. That's what makes San Francisco's offense go. When Devo Samuels was out for a couple games, what did their offense look like? Brock Purdy wasn't raising the level of that team. He was just like, so I don't want to say it like he's trash because he's not trash. No, he's not trash. But he's not. But he's, the not guy. he's not the second coming either. Right. He's a guy. Whereas Jalen Hurts, whatever limitations he has, he uses every ability he does have to raise the level of the team, which is why you see Brandon Graham and guys like that on the sidelines. Oh, got Hurts ball. He got us. I know Hurts mm-hmm. going to go. It's it's a completely different thing, different feeling. You think any of the hurt hate comes from the fact that he's in Philly and people just love the hate on Philly? If he yes. was doing this in San Francisco, that yes. maybe I, some more people would like him. I think part of it that, him or? I, I think a big part of it is that is that he's in Philly. I think a big part of it is also the reputation he came into the league with, which for a lot of quarterbacks is hard to escape. He didn't come in with the first round height like this guy's a stud. He came in with the oh, they they took him in the second round and they probably overdrafted him. You know, he 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 doesn't one on one say he's not the best thrower of the football coming in. So people still look at Hurts through that lens, on top of the fact that they take every excuse they can find to hate Philly. Okay. So for me, it's the combination. And I, when you, it's when you look at what people have used to marginalize Jalen Hurts over the last two seasons. Oh, Jalen Hurts can't be the MVP. Look at that offense; he has a loaded offense. And then I look at the fact that they're trying to just shoehorn Brock Purdy into this MVP conversation, and I see Debo. I see, you know, I, I see Kittle. Kittle, McCaffrey. McCaffrey. And none of that works against Brock Purdy. Having A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, last year Miles Sanders, this year Devontae Swift, that all that works against, all that works against uh, Jalen Hurts. Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey, none of that works against Brock Purdy. But, you know, it it is, you know, to, but to me – like I said, Brock, Brock's a guy. Brock's got to Brock's got to prove it to me, and he didn't stay on the field long enough to prove it to me in the NFL in the NFC Championship game. And that wasn't because he tripped over the lines on the field. That wasn't a freak injury. He got beat because the scheme got him beat. He got a and second that, string tight end blocking Aston Reddick. I mean, come on now. Talk about that great scheme in San Francisco. Like yeah, no one, and that's what no one in. No one in no Niners fans don't want to admit that. Mm-mm. You try Shanahan to block Hassan Reddick with a third string tight end. What do you expect's going to happen to your quarterback? Shanahan got brought pretty killed last year. Yeah, but you got your man. Thing, it wasn't a fluke because the backup quarterback got hurt too. Your scheme On the, same did, type, the same type of protection against exactly. the same guy, and that's why I don't buy the argument. We didn't have a quarterback. No, your scheme. Did not Got protect your quarterback. quarterbacks against the Eagles' pass rush. It was don't worry, they, cha- they changed the rules in the NFL. 
There's three quarterbacks we can knock out now, you know? Y'all still going to have a lineman playing quarterback by the end of the game. There's still, it, it doesn't matter. Your center is going to be a quarterback. Washington. I feel like it's we're going to have Brian Mitchell drop back there to play quarterback. Again. You know, that, that was the first Eagles game I ever went to. November, oh, wow. That's nice. November 12th, I, I, I had Brian Mitchell on. Mm-hmm. I had my Brian Mitchell on my podcast once, and mm-hmm. that's the first thing I asked him. I'm like, yo, talk mm-hmm. about the body bag game, man. Mm-hmm. I know we're here to talk Eagles versus Washington. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just got to dive back into the memory bank. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. That's yeah, all he, he said to me about yeah, that. He was on the Washington side that game. Yeah. I remember him playing quarterback for Washington yeah. that game. I, yeah. Yeah, I remember that game. He was, the fourth, <laughs> he was the fourth guy to get behind center in that game. My uncle had us got us seats in the vet. It was on my twelfth birthday. Nice. That's a, that's I, I will never right forget that's, that game. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's a good present right, right there. That's a great game to go to. Uh, All right, real quick, uh, real quick, because we're up against it. Uh, your thoughts on Sunday? Uh, thoughts on Sunday? I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on Sunday. Uh, you know, I, I talked about already Lane Johnson and whoever. You know, one of the big keys is, you know, keeping Hurts upright and whoever's on right side of the line doing that. Uh, but my biggest concern really is how many defensive plays did our defense play last week? 92, 93 snaps on defense. And then you got a short week going up against a well-rested San Francisco team. Is, they play is Thursday. the defense going to be fresh enough on Sunday to stop Christian McCaffrey, to stop George Kittle? I don't even worry about Debo and Ayuk. I'm worried about CMC and Mr. Kittle. They're the two guys I'm worried about. Do we have fresh enough legs to stop them just enough to win? I don't worry about Jalen Hurts. I know what he's going to bring to the table. I know what the coaches and all our skill players are going to do. Are our defensive players fresh enough? Because we've got a lot of older guys. Darius Slade, David Bradbury, Brandon Graham. You know, they're not young spring chickens anymore. You know what I mean? Do they have fresh enough legs? That's my only concern. But if we can come out there and control the clock, and I hate using a cliche key to victory of win the time of possession battle, because everybody says that. Like, But this week, because we played 92 or so snaps on defense last week, it makes it actually not a cliche key to victory. It makes it a really important one. So that, to me, is what's going to come down to. If we win the time of possession or, or overall amount of plays played on offense, then we win the games. If San Francisco controls the clock, and controls the snaps and stuff, there's a chance we lose this game. Sounds like you're saying we need to remember not to abandon the running game. Uh, that might that might help this week. That's how you control the clock. It might help a little this week for sure. All right, Jonesy. You this is how we end this is how we this is how we pivot towards the end of the show. 27-21 Eagles. Whoa, 27 that, That's where I am. 27 21 Eagles. Oh, I know that's what you're gonna ask me. That's where I am. Right around the, that's right around the number. I think it was 47 and a half is the line right now in the game. Mm-hmm. I was thinking at that number or below is where it's gonna be. So I, I like that score. I do. All right. I'm going 31 20 Eagles. That's, uh, that's 30, a little high. That sounds that a little, little high. high. You, that's I, I understand. If you want my yeah, prediction, you gotta yes, yes, in yeah, the come on, on Friday Yo. at 8 a.m. That's oh! you get. I don't make <laughs> predictions. Literally, my show goes from 8 a.m. to 9.30, and I wait till the final five minutes to give my final score. But let me tell All you right. something. What, so once again. 20, 20, I, I always write down four scores mm-hmm. before the show starts. 27-21 is already one of the scores I have uh-huh. written down. 
Okay. So, you know. So, I'm thinking that same thing. In that case, I'll have to ask you this. Let the people know where they can tune in, where they can listen, so that they can get your fix in the morning. People need this. It's trending in the AM is the show title. It's on the Philadelphia Sports Network. Type in Philadelphia or Philly Sports Network on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. You'll you'll find the channel there. Uh, YouTube, of course, is where I get a majority of my viewers. We go live Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And and I I think I got something a little special growing there. I like the phrase, like the tagline of my show is where your opinions actually matter. My opinions mean nothing to the show. Outside of my final prediction every week, it doesn't matter. I, I, I pose the question of the day, and I just I, I get two, three hundred comments a show, and I just ramble through everybody else's opinion because I don't think there's enough people. That, that I think there's a there's a craving for people to have their voices heard, and I think that's mm-hmm. what I presented a platform for people to come on and have their voice heard. Absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely doing. I and, and and I've quietly been a fan of your work. Been following you for a little bit now. You know, I I enjoy your I enjoy your show. So I, it was, you know, when the opportunity presented itself to get you on the show, I I, I jumped on it. We appreciate you, Phil. I just want to see, I, 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 I I put it right. I had it right. Not I wrote it when I wrote it down. There we go. <laughs> Call me by that that name my mother gave me. Don't 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 call me by anything else. Exactly, exactly. Real quick, on on the social medias, how can people find you? Um, if if I'm on the social media platform, it's at Beard and Knowledge. Beard, the letter A, and the word Knowledge. After that, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. If you can find me, if I'm there, it's under Beard and Knowledge. Awesome, my brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate you, brother. I've I've had a, a lot of fun here tonight. Awesome, uh, man. And, and, and now, as as now that you have been welcomed into our close personal friend group, we will be calling on you a lot uh, in the future. You know, just just be prepared to just get a lot of DMs, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails <laughs> from us begging you to come back on. I'm always gaming. You guys are welcome. If you don't actually have a day job, you're more than no. welcome to come. <laughs> On the morning show, anytime, guys. So we we appreciate that, and and we Let will me know when. I'll on make that. it work exactly, and, and we'll do it until the fact, and until the point where you like, you know, this was a mistake, and we don't want Jonesy and Brown anywhere <laughs> near us, which, which is pretty I, much. I, everyone. I have made some of those mistakes before. Yes. The people I brought on, just so you know, yes. I've had to very I, I, politely say no to some know, returning guests before. I, I I understand, you know, and, and be prepared to add Jonesy and Brown to that list, just like pretty much almost everyone else. You know, it it, it is what it is, brother. But we but seriously, man, thank you, man. Appreciate yeah, thank you. you guys. Uh, appreciate All right. All right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Phil, not Paul, stifle from Philly Sports Network. From the Philly Sports Network, man. That was a good show, bro. Yeah, good show. I had fun. That was fun, man. Once again, hey, if you want to reach us, you want to talk to us, you want to tell us what you think of this show, hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, Twix. Right. Twix. That's my that's my word. I coined that. Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Hit us up, Jonesy and Brown. Jonesy and Brown. Or hit us up at BITW Sports. You can download this podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast from. BITWSports.com. Once again, Jonesy says 27-21 Eagles. I say 31-20 Eagles. We will see, and we will talk to you next week. 
Jonesy, we successfully avoided Sixers talk for another show. Are you happy with that? I am. I think I'll be ready for him next week. I, I, I'll be back at the basketball soon. It's a bold face lie. You're gonna have. You're not gonna want to talk. If, if, if you know I'm a hoopsman. You, you are. I'm a basketball guy. So you, at some you point, are. I don't want to. I'm st- I'm still watching games. You're, you're, just, I know you are. You're you're, you're lying though. No, you're not gonna. I still talk. text you during games. You, you absolutely do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. You have no. It's coming. You're you're lying. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us for the show. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the sports. That's Jonesy. I'm Brown. We out, y'all. Peace. This podcast is a production of Best in the World Sports. A division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. To subscribe, download, and follow on social media, go to bitwsports.com. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown.